and welcome to At the Devil's Ball. Uh, I am Nathaniel. And I'm Samuel. And we are the podcast where we talk about horror films in a positive and constructive manner. We are joined this week by two very special guests, uh, good friends of our show. They've been on a few times. We've got uh, uh, Emily Fabrizio and Jamie Alvey. Hello. Hey, welcome. And this is take two. Um, and uh, because uh, my apartment is cursed. So, yeah. um, so I like, you, don't, I, you don't like that mirror I got you. Is that what you're telling me? That, that, yeah, that might be that might be the idea. Yeah, this right. is the this is the lesser glass. Uh, the curse of the curse of Oculus. It's uh, right. it's permeating through the Internet. Um, but uh, I like I, I like acknowledging uh, uh, our technical difficulties on the show. I think it gives us character. So um, but uh, so uh, that's the reason why uh, Jamie and Emily are here with us. Uh, they are well, they are super fans of uh, Mike Flanagan, the director of our film this week, the uh, 2013 film Oculus. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I I'm sorry. I actually pulled Emily into the Mike Flanagan sphere, so to speak, uh, because I was a big fan of Absentia and Oculus, and I've just followed him ever since then. And here we are. It's been it's been a long but very rewarding road. Um, I can't speak for Emily though. No, it has been. <laughs> yeah. she just been kind of drug along. Yeah. Not unwillingly though. Yeah, of course. When yeah. you know somebody who's a Flana fan or a, a, a fan again, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. I was just like when I watched Absentia, I was like, "This is the kind of horror that I like. This is the kind of horror I want to make right. as a writer and stuff." And yeah, here I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big I, I'm a big fan of his since Absentia as well. Um, I remember seeing that. Uh, but we'll get into that after uh, Sam's going to do the vitals and then we'll, we'll jump yep. into this conversation. All right. So Oculus was released in 2013, uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, as we said. Writers are Mike Flanagan, Jeff Howard, Jeff Seedman. Uh, as far as cast, we have uh, Karen Gillan as Kaylee Russell, Brenton Thwaites as Tim Russell, Katie Sackoff as Marie Russell, Rory Cochran as Alan Russell. Then we have the younger versions. Uh, Young Kaylee is played by Annalise Basso, and young Tim is played by Garrett Ryan. Uh, We have uh, James Lafferty as Michael Dumont. And in a small uh, role, we have uh, Miguel Sandoval as Dr. Sean Graham. And then we have uh, uh, Marisol Chavez as played by Kate Siegel, a frequent collaborator of Mike Flanagan's. And his real life wife, yes. Um, which I said when we did take one, uh, mm-hmm. which is I had actually thought that uh, uh, she had met him on the set of Hush, but then I was surprised watching this film again last night that uh, Kate Siegel is in this. I actually had forgotten entirely right. that she was in this film, um, and probably one of its most effective elements. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's and it's interesting to me, and it's something I think we'll probably get into, which is uh, Flanagan often uh works with a lot of the same people and uh only two people in this movie have worked with him again um which is uh i'm wondering if there is uh i'm I'm sure jamie might know if there is a reason for that i do because i uh he's talked about how he and karen have been wanting to do something but she is so busy 
Mm-hmm. that it's just never lined up um he's like i'm so proud of her and i'm so happy for her pretty much but it's it's just never shaken out it seems like everybody has wanted to come back on and do something but just stuff's just not lined up which you know right. makes sense because he's doing every, i don't think he sleeps yeah Thank it my- seems like he doesn't yeah yeah he uh he's fantastic though i mean <laughs> just his output is astonishing um and honestly i i admire that i admire that a lot how just he just goes for all these grand artistic visions um and in my opinion he always knocks it out of the park regardless yeah i think he has a a a pretty near perfect uh, record at this point I, I i wouldn't say perfect because um uh, but i think at, at at worst i think he's just had like near misses i think that right. uh, I, I don't think anybody has had their in their entire career this good a track run um and uh, that even goes for like the all-time greats like craven or or carpenter they have they have stinkers. I don't think, and Flanagan has yet to have a bad film, in my opinion. There are films of his I don't I'm not crazy about, or work I'm not crazy about, um, and I'm in the minority in that because like uh, I didn't like Doctor Sleep, but um, everybody loves Doctor Sleep, but me. I'm like that one guy. I enjoyed yeah. the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody's like, oh, I love Doctor Sleep, and I think it's like I'm and, like this is stupid. But, and yeah. I went into it fully expecting to hate it because I'm a big fan of you know the original. So I'm like, oh, so this is gonna make me mad like Ready Player One did. I'm gonna <laughs> pop in with my uber controversial Doctor Sleep mm-hmm. opinion. I like Doctor Sleep better than I like Kubrick's The Shining. Hey, you know that's perfectly so. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like blasphemy and i'm like i'm sorry it just it worked for me in ways that the shining did not so well when we covered kubrick's the shining we kind of talked about how um maybe it's not that good but uh you know um but uh yeah it's uh it's it's a beautiful film but it's uh it's kind of got its flaws yeah yeah and actually that does tie into uh one of my few criticisms of oculus actually but we'll get to that um uh, as we go on but um so oculus is interesting because this is a movie that um it is as we mentioned uh mike flanagan had made one film prior to this one Mm -hmm. complete film he'd made absentia which i believe was crowdfunded predominantly um and uh and shot very uh and and it's very very indie um and uh that's not for everybody but most people who have seen the film usually tend up being uh really into it um but i think that what's interesting about that film and oculus is i think we can see uh the i'm trying to figure out the right way to put this because i don't want it to sound like a criticism uh, we can see uh, a something of a amateurish beginnings uh, of a filmmaker. I, I think that he makes decisions in Oculus that he wouldn't have made otherwise. And I think some of them may actually have the fact that this is his first studio picture where yes. he's working with uh, working with people who are much bigger than him. But when you, uh, when you go from, I think about like a 70,000 ish budget yeah. from absentia to like the five million they used to make oculus 
Mm. I couldn't imagine. Here's the thing. I have a hard time imagining somebody handed me $70,000 to make a film. To right, make right. You, if I made a movie on that budget and you handed me $5 million, I, I'd probably cry because I wouldn't know what to do. But yeah, yeah. I, I think about that a lot about like, and even in the scheme of things, $5 is not a lot for a movie no. these days. No. So, I mean, when you think about like, his returns and the uh just pretty much the critical uh just how much people love it it's really amazing that he can work on tighter budgets like that though too so Mm -hmm. right um but yeah it's uh but that's but that's kind of like what i'm thinking about is that i'm like maybe there are i think there are i don't want to call them missteps but i think there are things about this film that maybe don't work um as well as they should uh as much as i love the film um it's but what interests me about it what i was interested with but last night was i'm like hey there are some not quite maybe rookie mistakes but there are some things here that i think are fascinating that he would know that i think that he learned from um going on to make more uh more work and uh to me that's fascinating that's what really fascinated me about it um, maybe before we, uh, maybe before we jump into how much we all love the film, I would, I wanted to start with maybe those. Um, and as I said, uh, I alluded to just a few minutes ago, uh, that ties into the shining. One of my issues with this film, and I, and I, I think he does a great job, but, um, Rory Cochran mm-hmm. has a little bit of a Jack Nicholson as yeah. Jack Torrance oh, feel absolutely. to me, this film. Um, and I think it's, um, I think Roy Cochran does a great job with it. Um, and he gives a great performance, but he seems a little too unhinged to me from the beginning. Um, that much like Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance does in The Shining, where, and I feel like it's a little bit of a weakness in the picture. I feel like he's a little bit too, I'm already kind of a, a, a jerk. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> he was already unhappy in his marriage and stuff. Yeah. I think that uh, that part tracks for me, but honestly, I think when it comes to that kind of model, Flanagan really perfected that in Hill House with Olivia. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the seeds for Hill House are really planted in Oculus, the map. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and stylistically, for that matter. Um, like, uh, you know, this film utilizes the, uh, past and present, uh, by having child actors play them as young people, then you can actually have them interact with their adult selves and it becomes like trippy, like, you know, um, which is something he does a lot in Haunting of Hill House. Um, and he, uh, and here it's used, uh, really well. And the way he uses it stylistically actually makes it, I mean, it's actually this, the simplest of techniques. You just have two actors in the room. Right. But it feels like it's somehow breaking like the time barrier. I, uh, I think a part of that is the editing too. Mm-hmm. He edits all of his own stuff as well. Is the editing is so slick that even if it's the scenes where both of them are not in the room with one another, he sees in so well between timelines that it it feels so cohesive yeah 
No, and I definitely agree. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but I do feel like uh, to, to go back to Rory Cochran, um, as good as he is, I, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't connect as well. He as, starts out at a nine and on the crazy scale and you yeah. know, doesn't have yeah. much where to go. Okay. So Sam's with me. Yeah. Uh, but Jamie Nemo, you guys, dis- you disagree. You don't think it, you don't think it detracts from the film at all. Really, I, I think I don't know if it detracts as much as it's just not not a focus, but yeah, yeah, detract isn't the right word, right. uh, because like I said, these things are I don't really call them mistakes or even necessarily missteps because I don't think right. they hurt the film. The right. the criticisms I'm about to men- I, I'm going through here, I don't think they hurt the movie at all, but they're not as strong, I think, right. as they could be. And one of them, I think, is that the dad is already Jack Torrancing. Yeah. from the word go yeah i well how i took it was he was just already um because if you think about how tim rationalized was all of it that already, mm-hmm. that seed was already there because right. uh i think plus if you think about it both kaylee and tim are very unreliable narrators and we're kind of seeing this filtered mm-hmm. through their memories so mm-hmm. i it's going to be a little distorted because there's just this ungodly trauma there. I, I think that it almost makes sense if you think around it in that way, if that, make, if that makes sense mm-hmm. in itself. It does. Um, uh, but, uh, and, and I think that's, that might be, but I feel like that's almost like hindsight, hi, uh, hindsight, like watching the film and I, I try to take out, and it actually it was lucky because I haven't seen this film in a couple of years. So when I watched it last night, I was able to kind of see it somewhat fresh, even though I remembered everything that happened in it, because it was that uh, it, it the film is is quite possibly my favorite of Mike Flanagan's output. Um, I really, really love it. Um, and we'll talk about that. Uh, and it, like I said, I wanted to start with criticism so that we can just jump in to start talking about how much we love the movie. Um but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that just uh, it doesn't quite connect. The other thing that doesn't connect for me, and it's something that I was thinking about a lot last night when I was watching the movie and afterwards, uh, the fiancé character yes. um, has very little bearing on the movie whatsoever. And I was thinking about it being like, no. if, if he were to make this movie now, uh, first of all, the fiancé would be female. Mm-hmm. And secondly, there would be more scenes with her uh kind of pointing out uh that she's this one thing that Kaylee should be holding on to but she's not and I think again in hindsight you can go through it and be like well there's something to that but I think that the the point in the narrative of the character is to show Kaylee has something that's grounding her in reality and that the point of killing him off spoiler alert I guess right but if you're listening to this you should be watching the movie before this um yeah but um but yeah, uh, killing him off is supposed to be kind of the moment where she loses grasp of reality. But I'm like, but Kaylee never had a grasp on reality. Like, I feel like the narrative is kind of is supposed to be telling me that Kaylee. I mean, they set it up right in the first act where where mm-hmm. Tim's doctor says, "You have had treatment for the past decade. She has not. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to be cuckoo. Right. Uh, there, there's no other way around it. Um, and the entire uh, and Structurally, uh, structurally, the narrative kind of begins with that idea where 
uh, we start to wonder whether or not she is crazy until we find out she's not. Um, But uh, so I feel like the fiance character is a misstep. Again, I don't think it hurts the movie. Yeah. But I don't think right. it works as strongly as it could. I think that he's uh, he's he's symbolizing something that we don't need. Oh, or, and I was thinking about like runtime constraints too, uh, because sometimes mm-hmm. studios are like, "Well, we want this movie to be ninety minutes long," and you sometimes don't have the time to expand on those ideas, and that kind of gets some stuff gets lost in translation. So yeah. That, I wonder if that could be uh, one of those issues like there. The studio meddling? Yeah. Well, not really studio meddling so much as we want this kind of product. We want this kind of runtime because I don't think the studio meddled so much as it was uh, just a runtime thing. Fair. Right. Okay. I think so. Well, I, I, part of me I mean, feels they also like... did have to stretch it out from, you know, this was originally a short film. Yes. Yeah. And they stretched it out to feature length, but it's not, I, don't, I haven't seen this short film, so I can't say how, how much similarity it has. So, I mean, there Pretty could similar. be something in yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Well, the short film, the short film is, it's been a while, but I think right. the, the short film was ostensibly Kaylee's uh, uh, ne- uh, monologue. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. mostly the monologue of uh, The Lasser Glasses history. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah to me how in the short film that uh the character is ostensibly tim but mm-hmm. that character grew out into kaylee basically in this version uh, yeah so then watch <laughs> yeah yeah i uh i think um uh, the thing is that with the fiance i i think i do feel like there's some I do feel like there's some studio meddling here. I mean, this is uh, this is a Bloomhouse production. This is a WWE Studios production, right. um, which is funny to me. But um, <laughs> and was uh, that's actually how I uh, originally the story of how I went to see the film was uh, I went to uh, we were going to go see this WWE Studios horror film. Uh, the girl I was the woman I was dating at the time and my and my best friend we were like, yeah, I was like, hey, you guys want to see go go see WWE's horror film? And uh, it's going to be funny, like it's going to be bad, and because uh, it's a WWE Studios film, and uh, they were, we were like, yeah, they were like, yes, let's go see that movie, uh, and then we went to, uh, and then I, uh, the night we were going to go, uh, the woman I was dating said, so what even is the movie? And I was like, you know, I have no idea. Right. Uh, I'll look it up, and then I go, Mike Flanagan, I know that name, don't I? And I went, oh, it's the guy who made Absentia. Okay, right. and I said, actually. Uh, this may actually not be a bad movie at all. Uh, and we're going to be disappointed if we're going to see a bad film because it's made by a filmmaker who made this really good, right. you know, little independent Ooh. horror film. And we went and we saw it and we loved it. And we went and we, I think we, st- we sat at a bar afterwards for like an hour talking about, you know, talking about the film and uh, predominantly how you can beat the mirror if you can beat the mirror. Um, and um it was really fun uh but um but yeah and so i i love the fact that this is a wwe studios film uh although i have no idea if they did anything other than anything involving the film other than maybe distribution um i never got the clear uh the uh, i never got a clear story as to what what role what studio had 
Right. Uh, Jamie, do I you was know? Un- I wasn't Emily, able to find anything. I have no idea, but Emily's pulling it up right now. She's no. like, I'm on it. We're going to find that out. Okay. <laughs> right. I assumed they just like bought it at Toronto International Film Festival and, you know, got the name on it. They were in, con- in conjunction with one another there producing, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've never caught that. The Triple H reference in there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just the best. Let's see where it came from. Yeah. What was that? The Levesque? Uh, where the yeah. last class came from. It came from the Levesque estate. Oh, okay. I didn't catch on to that, like any of the watchers of this movie. So I didn't either. That's actually yeah. a thing. Because I actually watched this movie a lot in college because, I mean, there's obviously something completely wrong with my brain in that I would sit and watch it alone and do homework. And I genuinely find the movie terrifying too. So, yeah, yeah. Someone called it last night I, when I, I posted on social media that I was watching it. Someone posted mm-hmm. it was one of their comfort movies. And I was kind of like, Oculus. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess, but I'm like, it's kind of an emotionally intense flick. Like, I'm kind of like, I don't know how comfortable I would be with it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Emily over here going, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> She has a bunch of these weird I, ones. I do, but I just, I feel held by Mike Flanagan. It's I know. that midsummer kind of speech. Do you feel held by him? Yeah, I feel held by the movies of Mike I know, Flanagan. I know, I know. Creatively and emotionally. Fair. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Did, Emily, did you find out anything about uh, uh, about the studio involvement or who I did got what? distracted, sorry. Um, no. Uh, you got distracted judging your roommate. Yeah. Always. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sam, Sam and I do that too. We get yeah. distracted judging each other. It's a right, it's right. thing. Yeah. Like, I think it was just production. Like they just guessed threw money at it. Right. It was the Newton Brothers too. Yeah. The Newton Brothers did the music for this one also. Um, uh-huh. They have, I think, done the music for every Flanagan thing since I don't think they did the one for Absentia, but I'm pretty sure that they've done that that's when that collaboration started. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, the um so why don't we why don't we open that up? Because I actually got to step away for a second. But mm-hmm. um why don't uh Jamie tell me uh tell me Jamie and Emily tell me about your general experience with Oculus and um uh, and and what kind of uh, why it resonates with you so heavily, like and 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 all of that. Like, tell us your back your background with Oculus. You you go. Mine is a lot shorter. So, um, I wanted like I saw the advertisements for it while I was watching wrestling when I went home back when 2013. Like, went home during college and stuff. Sorry, but um. And I thought it was interesting, but I wasn't big on horror back then. And then your mother was though. Yes, I know. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I didn't watch it until early on in the pandemic, I think. Yeah. So yeah, I finally was like, it's it's time. It's time. Yeah. Oh, right. And, so that was that recently yep. that you watched it. Yeah. Okay. It was like just 2020 is when I first <laughs> watched it. So we were just hanging out in the apartment. She was like, let's watch it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I watched it and I loved it. And it terrifies me. Because I don't know. 
You're weird about marriage. I am. Period. I am. So am I. The idea of secondhand mirrors terrifies Emily. And wouldn't we talk about this all the time? We'll go to we'll go to like an antique store, and Emily's like, she'll see a mirror, and she's like, and I tell her, don't, 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 no. I'm moving out if she buys it. Because of Oculus or because of something else? That's that's what my yeah. It's usually the silver plated stuff though. It's like yeah. Oh, can catch the spirit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just yeah. (laughs) I'm not very superstitious, but when I am, I'm kind of like extremely superstitious. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) Um, It's my mother's fault. Just Emily, just. I knew it was going to terrify her because of the mirrors. But specifically antique mirrors. Yes. Regular mirrors, no. Right, like, if Jamie has this um, one on the back of her closet door, and that doesn't bother me because she bought it new. But if it's, like, secondhand, you get it from somebody and this and that, like, just spirits go into it and this and that. Okay, but do, uh, do other antiques frighten you or just just mirrors and i'm very finicky and uh, unreliable okay. about it <laughs> like you've never seen like an armchair and go no fuck that armchair that's 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 a demon armchair you know yeah like yeah, no. you go to an antique store and like just just kind of like freak out or do you like like no i just avoid them she's yeah just, okay she, she'll just look at something she's like that is haunted yeah. <laughs> that is cursed. Which is funny considering I'm not sensitive to this. Yeah, stuff. Emily's not sensitive to any kind of like supernatural anything, but mm-hmm. she's this very much like, uh-uh, not that mirror, not today. That that has a ghost in it. Probably. Or um, if that doesn't, it probably would. But right. I obviously I came to Oculus because I loved Absentia that much. Um because Flanagan makes that kind of emotionally involved uh, horror that I really like, um, that I like to be terrorized by. I do have fun sometimes, but I mean, other times I'm just, you know, sitting there and I'm like, I am at, I want to be emotionally wrecked by, right. by this story. And I, Flanagan delivers every time. I am always emotionally traumatized the first time i watched uh oculus i cried at the end because i was so mad at it because Fair. it was such a mean ending i just sat and had these you hate hot, jamie angry tears down my face yeah emily talks about she said it pulled a jamie because i always have these awful i have a lot of really awful sad endings and events in mm-hmm. my stuff and uh she said, you just got Jamie. She got Jamie. got Jamie. <laughs> so she's like, this is how it feels. So yeah. just, just so you know. That's how it feels. It's right. Freud, really, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm one of those people that I'm just like, oh my God, I like doing this to people mm-hmm. as a creative, but I don't like it when people do it. Do it to me. <laughs> <laughs> We watched a television show not long back and had the, mm-hmm. the same thing happen. And every time I watch something Flanagan, he's always just my emotions oh. are, are. I have to be in the right mind space to watch Flanagan stuff, right? Um, 
like here lately I've gotten up the I'm getting up the courage to watch Doctor Sleep again because it's mm. such sad. Right. Maybe. I've still not seen it, but yeah. like, well that's that was me and um both the haunting miniseries. I still have not seen either of those because I have to have you know the block of time available and the, the mental space available. You know? oh, Anthony, you wanna, we watched that around the same time we watched Oculus. Oh, that was okay. your first watch of Hill House too. Yeah, I wanted to binge watch and she said no, you won't be, want to. And I'm like, oh okay. Yes, like right. you want to binge watch Hill House. <laughs> and then she watched it and then she's like, oh God, you were right. right. And then that was like my third or fourth watch through and i'm just sitting there crying like a baby mm-hmm. like mm. it's the first time so yeah that's how we that's how we do flanagan in our house we just carve out the block of time and right. i i cry oh never fails no. still have not cried come close never. right i probably would have with midnight mass if i hadn't been so sleep deprived Whew. and i'm just I'm, I'm i'm just always crying um either angrily or not <laughs> because the end of oculus is such a just hideous gut punch and i'm like mike why right. <laughs> i love it i think it's masterful i think it's one of the meanest things i've ever seen I think it's a much meaner ending than the ending of Absentia. Um, oh, for sure. I know he's real into bittersweet endings right. now. Um, if you don't, mid, I'll tell you the end of Midnight Mass is pretty pretty rough too. Mm. Uh, it's I'd say it's up there with uh, Oculus, and it, it it's kind of a mean mean ending. Right. Um, when you think about it. Uh, so I just I just like that little little mean streak Mike Flanagan has and mm-hmm. his stuff. Um, and I think he really he really brings that in other productions too. Like he took that from Oculus and Ab- Absentia has a mean ending too. Um, and right. you, you you get a little bit more of that as you go on. So now the world has a lot of mean endings, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah like a lot of awful horrible events and such, right. such so i really think he does speak to a very real world sort of narrative when it comes to his tales but mm. he i've seen people be like well he he doesn't make horror movies he makes family dramas and i'm like what earth are you on right now <laughs> That's not the kind of family drama I'm used to. That's for sure. I mean, it's like what's happening in your family, right? Yeah, a lot of cursed objects in, in your family history. Apparently, you know, a lot of exactly. And I was like, I'm sure you could say the same thing about stuff like Night of the Living Dead. It's also mm-hmm. it's a drama, but right. there's zombies there, and it's. I don't think people understand that you can mail poor and drama, and he Flanagan does that. Very, very yeah and i think that kind of lulls you in too for the horror elements to be very um right well, i think one of the best tricks that this movie plays is that it takes that the time in the middle you know for her to lay out her entire plan like you know in the this is this is how the rules of this movie are going to work kind of fashion where she's you know 
putting all the cameras up and saying, you know, oh, I have, this is our alarm to remember to drink water. This is our alarm to remember to drink, to eat food. And this is our alarm that's, you know, we're going to smash the mirror in 10 seconds. <laughs> um, that it's, it's a lot of world building in, in a very short amount of time, which really, uh, I don't, it doesn't lampshade it, but it, it doesn't end run around, you know, the kind of logical problems that, you know, people who are just going to pick apart a movie would, would come up with because they're setting up the rules. So, you know, solidly from the jump. Yeah, yeah. If, everything's really finite when it right. comes to Oculus. And uh, Kaylee has had all these years to think all of this stuff out based mm -hmm. on her own experience, previous experiences with the mirror. And you think, oh yeah, she's really, she's gonna beat it. Right. She, she's gonna make it with this because uh, she has thought it out so well, but like, right? Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's she's thought it out very well, but she, you know, forgot the one key element is that she's in there with it. Yeah, it's, it's Emily. You want to say the line from Willy's Wonderland for us? It's kind of like that. You go ahead. It's like uh, they're not. Uh, he's not stuck in there with them. They're right. stuck there with him and it's like you have to forget it's not stuck in there with you you're stuck in right. there with it too so like how oh it's it's terrifying so so how would you fight the mirror obviously you can't break it you can't do anything with it you know not buy it <laughs> don't buy it no that's that's one way not yeah. she's like i've beat the mirror by not engaging right. with the mirror but they didn't you know they didn't buy the mirror you know the kids didn't buy the mirror in the first okay. place this was brought into the home you know without their consent or, or yeah. power no not and search it out just like okay it killed our parents bye because right. i'm just not gonna engage at all right well, well then then do you feel a responsibility for you know the next family that that gets it or, or the family after that you know maybe maybe <laughs> maybe I, I, definitely, I definitely would right. i'm not a bit of a person so <laughs> <laughs> well so you'd be you'd you'd definitely have the dog as bait uh in, in your scenarios that you know yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah well i hate to say it we've got plenty of plants and dogs for right. him yeah i did like that they used a boston terrier which is not a not a dog you just pick up from the from the the pound yeah, yeah. it kind of makes you wonder if she stole it out of like her neighbor's yard All right yeah because i mean you want a boston terrier you you pay you pay money for that you know yeah yeah not these best like uh, I, I don't know how i would go about beating the mirror because right. honestly but I would probably do what Kaylee did and have everything planned out and it would just it would still kill me in the end. Right. I mean, I'm gonna be real I'm gonna be realistic about that. And I think Emily I'd probably, be more Tim. Emily probably right. has smartest don't Yeah, engage. you are Tim. Don't engage with the mirror, right. Jamie. And I'd be like, I'm engaging with the mirror. I could beat the mirror. No, I can't. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, uh like I said, I, I actually um uh, had a big conversation with some friends about how we would possibly beat the mirror. Mm -hmm. Most of them were shot down. Uh, right. I had one friend who said, like, what if we, uh, what if you just 
like buried it, like take it out of the desert and bury it. And I'm like, but it will screw with your perception. Like you'd right. find out you went and buried it. And you're still in the house. Um, the only thing I thought of was uh, it might work was you'd have to go get somebody who has no idea what they're doing, mm-hmm. blindfold them and then say, okay, give them a hammer and say, you need to walk exactly this many paces, turn right, walk this many paces and start swinging the hammer. And if they ask why, because my theory was that like, you have to be able to perceive the mirror in order for it to affect you. If you didn't, and if they, but also that means conceptually perceive, which means you have to, you'd have to not know what the mirror is or what it's doing. So you'd have to get somebody that, and then, and then that may not work. So you might actually be having to get somebody who is just going to die. Um, And I was like, I think that's the only way I could think of to beat it was you'd have to, and even that might not work because it's no, there's no guarantee. It can't just go after somebody. Right. Yeah. Cause you would have to, that's where uh, there's a gap in the lore. That's not very, and I'm sure Mike Flanagan can tell us because I know he wrote that it's so well thought out you know he knows uh can it mess with your perception if you don't know what it is yeah if if yeah if it has to get into your mind through percent through that perception of it right and uh but I mean I think honestly I think this movie is bleak enough that I would actually believe there is no way to beat it. Once right. it's there, it's there. You know, there's no yeah, cure for ca- no cure for cancer, no cure for the last glass. Right. Yeah. Like and that's why it's in Hill House. But yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's in Hill House. Like he, right. the mirror, like he pops the mirror in a lot of places. It's, well, didn't he model the the headboard? They had it near the headboard in Gerald's game. Yes. Well, yes. yeah. That's what I. I we watched that after we watched Oculus one day because you know we're fun, not we're fun people. Yeah. yeah, we like to have lots of fun and not be traumatized emotionally at all. On top of our own trauma, yeah. On top of mm-hmm. our own trauma. <laughs> um, but uh, we watched that, and I said, "Hey, Emily, does that look familiar?" And she's like, "Yeah." Right. <laughs> Never trust those antique mirrors. No. Oh, no. exactly. No. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. But Emily is just Emily's. Do not engage is probably the best way to. I know individually <laughs> mirrors, right. but like overall, I don't. I don't think there's a way to beat the mirror. No. Yeah, I was gonna say, and even if you don't engage, doesn't it force engagement? Like it. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the implication is that it eats people. It feeds. Right on people uh it seems i mean the dog it doesn't engage with the mirror either right um but the dog dog has no real perception of you know how the mirror's rules work either so that no no yeah even the dog even if the dog was like hey there's a mirror and looked in it dogs actually uh so they occasionally they usually don't even recognize their own reflection right i think it's another dog um and then they are Yeah, I had a I had a dog in my childhood that he walked into uh, my aunt's bedroom she had a, a full her whole closet was two mirrors, mm-hmm. uh, mirror doors. And the dog, he just immediately dove at the thing, barking and screaming. And then he rammed his head right into the stupid thing. And it was like, <laughs> right. you know, why did this dog hurt me? I'm angry. Right. And we were like, you know, it's not not another dog. It's just you. But right. um, but yeah, uh, is, this, is this the only Flanagan movie where he kills an animal? I don't think he, I don't think no. any other. No. 
not the only movie where he kills oh, an animal. Think uh, Midnight Mass. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch in those. There's a one. bunch of dead cats in Midnight yeah. Mass in the very first episode. So, I mean, it's not. Yeah. And he, and he kills a dog. So, I mean, right. I know people are going to want to know about this if they've yeah. not seen it. So, yeah. um, at, at the end of episode one, beginning of episode two, lots of dead mm-hmm. cats. I think you have yeah, a, a, a dead dog. dog. So, yeah. Helpful yeah. spoiler alert there. So, yeah, I guess he does kill animals occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. I, but uh, it does progress the narrative. He did, he did tell us that the dog in Midnight Mass was a sweetheart and a professional, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good and I was like, aww. Did the dog make it in Midnight Mass? I don't remember a dog. No. no. Oh, okay. No. no. Nobody made it in Midnight Mass. Right. Um, two people. I mean, sorry. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. But don't don't tell which ones. Uh, yeah, but um, but yeah, uh, surprise. Uh, Midnight Mass. Uh, Midnight Mass is a kill them all. Uh, but um, uh, it, which is actually actually I think that's even even that's rare for Flanagan though. I think he actually has more. That's actually one of the re- things I thought about the fiance and why I thought it might be some. Uh, uh, studio interference is it feels very much like we need a body count right um and uh that the studio was like no 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 no. we we only have one dead body in this we need we need at least one more to make this a horror movie because obviously horror films have to have uh you know dead bodies in them according to a studio even though actually some of the best ones actually don't involve anyone dying they actually just are about terror and about uh horror um yeah. And uh, which is actually one of the things I appreciate about Oculus is actually it's a film that very little blood. Yeah. Mm. One, like one or two scenes with blood in it. Um, it's all about perception. It's all about uh, how how flimsy our perception of reality is and how easily that can be messed with, which yeah. is, again, ties back to why I think um, why I feel like fiance is unnecessary because I don't think we need a grounding in reality character. I think we right. need, uh, I think the film works better without any grounding. We just need, uh, because the entire point is we think we're grounded and we're not. Right. Uh, and the lasser glass is able to kind of play with that, your insecurities, um, your unhappiness, things you don't know about. Um, and actually, now that I think about it, that the mirror actually has some pretty specific uh, a, a very specific targeting device. Yeah. It goes after mm-hmm. people with very, very specific things. Like you said, I mean, if you wanted to read into that, uh, dad is unhappy with his marriage. Yeah. So it provides right. him with a mistress. And uh, uh, the mother is terrified he's cheating on her, period, from the outset. She has, she has body issues. Yeah. And it goes after her body issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the kids are afraid their parents' marriage is splintering, so they end up seeing seeing what the mirror is doing to them. And the mirror doesn't actually go after the kids. No. It wants it makes the adults go after the kids. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, yeah, to do their to, to do their dirty work, which makes you wonder. Children aren't as susceptible to it as adults, maybe, mm-hmm. because a lot of the victims in the, the lineup were mm-hmm. adults as well. Right. I think any of the children were murdered. By murdered, them. yeah. Right. Yeah. The mirror didn't take any of them. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you wonder if the the children themselves were just uh, 
you know, less, because I mean, already childhood is such a, a weird liminal space and time mm -hmm. itself for everybody. Um, it kind of makes you wonder if that, uh, if there's a point there. Well, yeah. You don't have the whole world having beaten you down and everything yeah. at that point either. Right. So yeah. I don't know. You don't know as many, you know, psychological hangups to, yeah. to go after. Yeah. Well, it's funny. The um, it's actually a common, relatively common criticism of this film that I saw when it came out, and I think occasionally I still see, uh, which is one of the very few criticisms I can actually see where it's coming from, is that this is too, too Stephen King, right? Uh, and co with comparisons to it, right? Uh, frequently, where you know you have. A uh, conceptual idea of you know kids they're adults now they're going back to face the the creature that tormented them in their youth um but now that but i mean now that with you saying that uh where the whole point of it was kids are actually able are, are easier to beat them. easier to go after but also yeah. they could they're the only ones who can beat it it's right. like uh, it's, it's like the inverse of it almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well when i was searching for the Studios, if you can first. No. Oh, uh, Lovecraftian came up, and apparently that was intentional for Mike. I didn't read right. all of that, so I was trying to find other stuff. But because I, that Jamie knows more. Obviously, we can call the mirror an eldritch abomination. We don't yeah. know. Right. Don't know where it came from. We like here's that's what it's it kind of like it in the way that we we have an idea of some stuff, but it's kind of murky also. Right. I. I do think that it's likely Stephen King inspired, but I mean, when I first watched it, I, I didn't immediately think of King. Um, yeah, I did. I, I remember watching it and thinking, "Oh yeah, I can see some uh, see some it here." But I love it, so it works out. Um, and then, of course, you know, The Shining. Yeah, as well. A lot of people I've seen compare it to compare it to The Shining, and I honestly. Um, I think I've seen people compare Hill House a lot to The Shining, but honestly, I think I like the It comparison a lot more. Yeah. For Oculus or Hill House? Both. They're both. Because of the dual timelines, the childhood trauma coming back, everything right. cycling through. Um, I think thematically they're very tied and it's very strong. Um, and I, I don't know why anybody would make that as a criticism, so to speak, because I love, love media that does that. Right. Well, you know, the internet, you know, I mean, yeah. like it's, it's, it's probably just as simple as, oh, this is ripping something off rather than understanding right. the relationship between, uh, between fictional constructs and how, you know, if you study uh, as Emily likes to point out, media, media literacy is dead. Um, but <laughs> I, um, I love to do it. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you understand your media literacy, you know it's all kind of cannibalistic, right? Yeah. Uh, and it all, you know, you know, take a take one literature class, and your professor will basically say, uh, "Read Gilgamesh." That's every story ever. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Everything goes from there. Um, but, um, and then all, all that's left is you kind of just, you know, you make tweaks to it, but uh, ostensibly most stories all derive from kind of the same origin that ultimately what you have is, uh, you know, 
variants, variations on a theme, variations on metaphor, variations on emotional uh, stakes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you could be like, well, yeah, this is a lot like Stephen King, but it's like, well, Stephen King didn't invent that either. Right. Um, you know, uh, you can look at it and be like, wow, a whole original story. And then if you read it, you'll be like, actually, he's pulling from everywhere with that story that, uh, you know, he's not the first one to come up with, uh, you know, kid comes back as an adult to deal with other trauma. That was not, right. you know, he didn't invent that. Um yeah. But, um, but, you know, I, I think that's probably what it is. But, I mean, I could see, I, I can see why somebody would maybe get defensive about it, but I don't necessarily, I don't agree with it as a criticism either. Um, I think it's just, it's a wonderful kind of like how we can see how one creative will influence another, will influence another, and how you kind of, everybody will take elements of the stuff they love and make it their own right because yeah. right. i said like there we said there's nothing new but i mean there isn't anything new but you can do that in novel ways and, yes. like, exactly. and expand upon it and yeah. yeah and i think that i i it's i'm like i don't see where that's that's a criticism because it's not like you've written people I, I mean the way that some people act is like oh you ripped off x thing and i'm like just because it has a little similarity there doesn't mean it's it's a ripoff yeah yeah Yeah, like it just you can take inspiration from stuff like you Mm -hmm. know heck some of my what i'm working on right now was heavily influenced by night of the living dead and shirley jackson and i Mm -hmm. mean all that's pretty surface though it gets into some territory that's not covered by either of those Mm -hmm. right fans upon stuff so i mean you kind of take the bits of stuff you love stuff you know that's effective for you as a consumer and then you take that and you you want to play with it right you want to play with it you want to see how you can shake this out um see how you can make it work in your way um honestly i think that it's it's kind of sweet almost that flanagan had such a has such an obvious reverence for king yeah that he went on to develop to adapt two of the best king adaptations that we have right now yeah Mm -hmm. right yeah i um yeah i mean and and that's definitely uh definitely accurate that he uh he has a lot of definite uh kinship with king i think he's even worked he's talked about wanting to do more um uh and although there's nothing left to adapt uh, right right <laughs> uh well, you can always we, readapt you know yeah we've we've done we've done uh just about everything at this point that uh, it's been although it wasn't didn't he say he was interested in revival was that had, again? Yeah. oh my god this is uh this broke my heart he had the rights to revival mm-hmm. he had the rights to revival he wrote the screenplay and apparently the screenplay is people have read it and those that have gotten the chance to read it, and I mean, I wish I was one of them, but mm-hmm. um, so I'll take their word for it. It was phenomenal, and something happened with the rights, and he lost it. But he said something similar happened with Gerald's game, and he got the rights to Gerald's game again, and that yeah. happened. it shook out well. So I hope that happens for him because you can tell he just he loves it, and he mm-hmm. loves storytelling, and 
you know, we don't have a, I feel like that is a minority in a world where everybody is so caught up on, you know, the money-making aspect of creativity. It's nice to see someone that loves what they're doing and loves to tell stories and yeah. is just so in love with the process. And I think that's what really speaks to me as a creative and why I keep coming back is that it's, it's just so good, but also he, he loves doing it. And he, you can tell he genuinely does. Right. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about uh, some of the cast members um, a little bit. Um, and, um, uh, I think, I don't think I said it in this one. I think we, I we said it in the take one before we right. were rudely interrupted by, uh, the curse of my apartment and the laser glass, um, uh, the imaginary laser glass that Sam right. sent me. Um, so really it's all Sam's fault. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you want to yeah. blow it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that uh, uh, Katie Sackoff uh, obviously worked with him here. And then I thought she was, I remember her being announced for his next film, which was uh, ended up becoming called Before I Wake. Uh, I think it was originally at the time entitled Somnia. Yes. Um, and it was supposed to have, from what I understand, it was supposed to be Katie Sackoff and Tom Jane. Uh, and then something happened. Katie Sackoff wasn't in it, um, replaced by Catherine Hegel. Um right. And uh, I never, I saw Before I Wake exactly once and I wasn't that into it. And um, I, I, at some point I will revisit it. Uh, but like I said, I think that there's only a couple of near misses in Flanagan's career in my mind and right. Before I Wake is one of them. Um, but, um, but yeah, the Katie Sackhoff is really good in this. Yeah. And, um, and I also wanted to mention that, you know, uh, Sam mentioned that Katie Sackle was like in uh, Battlestar Galactica. I be mm -hmm. best know her from uh, Robot Chicken as the character Bitch Pudding, um, <laughs> right. uh, which is one of my favorite things ever. And um, although I don't recommend it because it's actually not that funny, but for me, it's hilarious. I right. absolutely love it. But uh, and it, uh, Katie Sackoff, it's not she's not even recognizable. You won't even recognize her voice doing it. Um, that was the strawberry shortcake. Uh, yeah, spoof, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, they took a strawberry shortcake character and they made it into a, uh, a kind of a foul-mouthed, uh, sex-crazed, uh, violent Thanks. creature right. that, uh, you know, and which is ostensibly robot chicken in a nutshell. is right. like, hey, how about a sex joke with snorks? And right. uh, uh, which uh, is actually a thing that happened. And, um, but I, I actually really like robot chicken, but I, I like reference humor and um, what bitch pudding makes me, I, it makes me laugh every time. But uh, Sackov here is, is is giving a really great performance, and I, I always feel like Katie Sackov is. I mean, she she mostly is well known from Battlestar Galactica, which was a sort of a household show for for a little while until it started to get bad. Um, and she was um, a. I still keep waiting for I think for that major role to break out for Katie Sackov, uh, but she keeps kind of doing B pictures, and I'm. I'm kind of bummed about that. I mean, does anybody, right. uh, what do people think about Katie Sackhoff in this movie? I love Katie Sackhoff in this mm -hmm. movie. I think she okay. does a brilliant job. I, what I actually knew her from, because my parents watched uh, the show Longmire, because she's mm -hmm. on it. Uh, that's okay. where I knew Katie Sackhoff from. Um, <laughs> which is probably out of, probably pretty out of left field for her, but she's a, 
she's phenomenal in it. And I, I wonder, honestly, if it was just some kind of weird scheduling things again. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of people want to come back and work with Mike, but there's there's scheduling stuff. And I'm like, you I'm like, gosh dang it, you work out that schedule because I need right. I need I need this back. I need this to happen. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. I'm not as familiar with her because I'm just like, why is she familiar other than this? And I'm like, oh, because mm-hmm. I'm on a Star Wars revisit right now. So yeah. Oh yeah, she was the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. Which I need to finish that but she's in a lot of she's just one of those actresses that pops up in a lot of a lot of stuff mm-hmm. randomly it seems but yeah i'm not very reliable on this conversation sorry that's all right no hey uh they, they don't they're not all winners I, I i i when i pitch out stuff uh and then sometimes people are like yeah i totally connect with that question or other people go uh yeah it's great whatever i mean i got a um, I got to say, like, you know, she calling Katie Sackoff a grotesque cow in this is like, what what are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. Um, but I think she puts a lot of lot of effort into this and a lot of, uh, you know, vulnerability, which, you know, not a lot of actresses would would probably be, feel comfortable doing um, yeah. just with her body issues and, you know, later her transformation into a, a thing mm-hmm. I, honestly yeah because also you don't see a lot of movies in any sphere kind of deal with the kind of stuff they were doing because it's like right. having two kids and having this a c-section scar and stuff and you know women that are really uncomfortable about that right. life, but you know uh, to bring that into the horror sphere is kind of brilliant honestly yeah Mm-hmm. And just again, her her vulnerability she brings to that is is wonderful. Um, yeah, and she's amazing. She is amazing in it. Like I I don't that role could have been played by anyone else. No. No, I, I love that. Um, it's something that I noted when I was watching it last night that like suddenly there is a shift where she's essentially just wearing a nightgown all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and I'm like, uh, that it's really frumpy, and I'm like, this is like that's actually really smart like she's she's falling apart she's wearing you know uh she went from being a a vibrant strong woman to you know house frau and it's it's the mirrors banging her head up against the wall um but yeah uh and also um uh, i think karen gillen is really great in this Mm. um and um uh, I, again, it's a character that it's an actor that everybody was familiar with, but me at this time, because I didn't watch Dr. Who. Um, and I don't watch Dr. Who, but um, don't, don't yell at me. I don't want to hear it. I don't hear it. Um, everybody yells at me. I, I've tried. I tried to watch Dr. Who like five or six times. I can't get into it. Um, I have not to take it away from anybody. Not right. for me. Um, but um, so I'd never seen her before. And uh, so I didn't actually didn't even know she was actually even British uh, for a long, long time. But um, side note again, also, uh, Karen Gillan, the best thing in Avengers Endgame. And I've seen nobody talk about that. Uh, Nebula's Mm -hmm. character is the only one with a friggin arc in that movie. Uh, I don't want to get off on a rant about Avengers Endgame sucking, but it does. (laughs) But um, but she's um, but uh, nobody talks about it. It drives me nuts. I'm like, everybody knows that that's Karen Gillan's movie, right? No, no. 
Yeah, no, Iron Man died. Iron Man right. died. Black Widow died. I love you, five thousand. Yeah. You know, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever we, we, our greatest hits clip, and uh, you know, the ninety minutes of uh, combat, and right. uh, but I'm yeah. like, Karen Gillan's the only one with an arc in that movie. Isn't that how it always is with like a lot of these big budget movies? Somebody is doing the heavy lifting, and it's right. the general public going yeah. ahead, and no one cares about it. Don't yeah. No, and uh, the only reason why I even bring it up, uh, not just because I, I wanted to get on my soapbox for a second, um, but uh, is that uh, the things that she's bringing to this role, she brings to Nebula, mm-hmm. which is there is a, a wonderful sense of severity to her, uh, almost, uh, uh, almost an unlikability, um, where she comes at it with a lot of intensity uh, to the point that we're not even sure we really like her, but at the same time, she plays it with just the right amount of vulnerability or, uh, or, or hidden or hidden depths that makes it. So it's almost like, she's like, look, it's really hard to love me, but once you love me, like it's going to be rewarding. Um, yeah. and it's something I think she brings to Nebula as a character, uh, that comes full circle in Avengers Endgame, which no one talks about. Um, but, uh, it's, it's such a, a great, performance i think um because it's challenging um yeah it's 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 she's almost begging you to not cheer for her but you and in a just media just again with emily media literacy is dead we Mm. don't allow women to be unlikable and stuff Mm -hmm. Because they're like, oh, I'm worried she's not likable enough. And I've uh, I've had people look me in the face and tell me, oh, that character you wrote, I don't like them. I don't think they're likable. And I'm like, good. I did right. not yeah. was the point. Not really cross my mind when I was writing her. So thank you. Um, yeah. So this, I feel like yeah, I just let, <laughs> they just let her be. And right. uh, Emily knows this story and it pisses her off to this day. <laughs> um, but I love complicated and compromising women. And I, Kaylee is very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's Slan- why I don't like a lot And of I artists. think that yeah. Flanagan is very good at that kind of woman, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, and like having holding like not only space for her but also having a lot of empathy for her as well because uh the sisters in absentia are are difficult people too Mm -hmm. but you understand them and they're complex um and you love them uh even when you are kind of mad at them at times um and it's it's great and it's the same way honestly kaylee in this i'm gonna bring up hill house again Mm. almost like Shirley and Hill House because yeah. Shirley, Shirley's very severe like that yeah. and Shirley can be hard to like but you understand Shirley and you can tell that Flanagan himself he does not judge Shirley I love Shirley no yeah and, then, and actually that's um, uh, a friend of mine hated Haunting of Hill House because he said he didn't like any of the characters and I said but you're not really supposed to like the characters it's I'm, not about liking them it's about right. understanding them it's about relating to them we're not all likable people every five minutes uh, all the time either we're I'm very sorry, human but I don't so. understand how anybody can say that because I no joke think about this scene in the Haunting of Hill House at least once a week 
and it's um, the one in episode seven before Nell's funeral where Theo comes in there she's hung over to hell and Luke's sitting there and he insinuates that the best cure for a yep. hangover is heroin, heroin. Like, how the fuck do you not like Luke Crane? God, <laughs> he's over there a, in a full-fledged uh, trying to recover addict. And he's yep. looking at his sister with the driest delivery ever being like a heroin by a yep. mile. By a mile. Yeah. She says, <laughs> yeah. what's the, what, hey, Luke, you're, a, you're, you've gone through plenty of hangovers. What's the best carry? Heroin. <laughs> yeah. By a mile. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, he uh, he I, I he just didn't like any of the characters. Uh, that was his major criticism of the show, and I just thought, I mean, we're not here to talk about that. We'll, we will at some point. I will I, I will get Jamie Alvey into a into a conversation about that show about everything Flanagan I can at some point or another. But um, <laughs> so I don't have to be the only one hearing it. Yeah, um, and, I'm kidding. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, some domestic shit going on over there now. Um, <laughs> she, we've, she's my best friend, and she's been my best friend for over what? When did you start calling? It's a decade now. Yeah, it's a decade, and uh, she has had to hear me wax poetic about Mike playing again for the better part of a decade. Sam, Sam can relate to that. I, right. I, I never shut up, and um, and. Uh, in fact, last week I apologized to him. I was like, I felt like I talked too much. And Sam was like, no, it's fine. You can talk all you want. But I'm like, right. no, I fucking dominate every conversation. Emily I'm, I'm an asshole. We're those people that do tangents back at each other, the, the stuff we're interested in. And it's, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. I'm I, sure Emily gets you back with some wrestling. I do. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I yeah. flipped her in with some of the current storylines that she's actually you, very. You want to tell him what? You oh, do? she loves the current, like, Kevin Owens and uh, Ezekiel storyline right now. Okay, it's, yeah. It's gaslighting for a good cause, and it's Jamie's entertainment. So I love it. <laughs> I love that I'm not Elias. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, me. out of left field. Things. So yeah. yeah, she gets me back with that. We're we're good. We're good. There's balance. Right. There. Good. Okay. But um. But yeah. Uh. I. I think. Uh, yeah. That's what I think. Uh. Gillen. That's what we originally were talking about. Right. Um, Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I went off. I went off on the tangent there. That's my point. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I think that uh, it, it's, and I think to Jamie's point, I think that's something that Flanagan actually really does well. And I think he finds the right cast to bring that to the table um, right. because it doesn't work. You can have it on the page, but if the actor can't handle it, um, it doesn't work. And uh, Gillen, I think, is. Um, is just is excellent in this film i think it's uh it's the best work of hers i've seen um mm -hmm. and if she happens to happens to listen to this in some manner uh uh i noticed the work you did with nebula karen thank <laughs> you um yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to pitch that or something i'm gonna like but the article is right. gonna be like why is no one talking about nebula and uh right. in avengers endgame and that'll be my uh that'll be my <laughs> debut you in general she really? just had a really yeah. good like just familial trauma stories too that just kind of got lost and all the mess storylines killed mm. Gamora over Nebula like to me Thanos. but that's right. that's my MCU opinion right there yeah that's mm. that's one way to find out you're the least favorite child I guess is yeah, <laughs> Thanos kill the other one yeah <laughs> yeah 
no, yeah. I mean, it, that Nebula, Nebula's entire arc is actually really fascinating. It's also probably the best thing about the Guardians of the Galaxy movies too, but no mm-hmm. one talks yeah. about it. Like she's actually this, this has this really wonderful character arc that Karen Gillan performs like 110% and it's like, mm-hmm. it's just missed. Um, but yeah, I, I think she's, she's great in this and uh, in, in Oculus. And, um, and uh, I think another guy who never, who has yet to show up again with Flanagan mm-hmm. is Tim. Yeah. Uh, played by uh, Brenton Thwaites. Uh, have I seen Brenton Freights in anything? I, I don't think I have. I think he's currently, isn't he, isn't he Dick Grayson right now? Is he? In, is he? I think he is. Oh my God, he is. Okay, I haven't no. watched that yet. Okay, I'll have to watch it. Um, oh, he was in the last Pirates movie. Didn't yeah, he's that. popped up in several different things oh, and stuff. He, uh, he was in The Giver? He uh, just Maleficent well, is Prince Philip. Didn't know that. I haven't seen it. Yeah, Emily's discussed. Oh, he was the their kid. Oh, yeah, he was Elizabeth. He was Elizabeth and Will's kid in the like the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, I don't think I saw that either. Yeah, yeah. I watched. And I've been trying to find my source for this. Yes, I is. cannot remember where I read it. Um, or where I got so if anybody knows where I could find the source for this or correct me if I'm wrong I read that all of Jackson Cohen auditioned to play Tim I'm sorry who Oliver Jackson Cohen Oliver Jackson. okay a name we hear uh, a name that Emily hears often because Daily. obsessed with his acting mm-hmm. uh, that's that's uh Luke in Haunted Hill House right yes yeah yeah. brought him on for for luke um that tim was not for him but luke was and okay I, right it may have been something he auditioned for it might have been yeah, yeah like he he does he's auditioned for some he's apparently he's auditioned for a lot of stuff but never got it and he's mm-hmm. he's somebody i've been waiting to just kind of catch on but um I was blown away by him in Hill House. And I when I read that, I was like, oh my God, what would what would Oculus look like if he had played 10? I don't think I could see it. I don't think I, I think he's he's too too handsome, I think, to play Tim. I think <laughs> Tim has to be no offense to Brenton Thwaites, who I think is a handsome young man, but I mean like he's there's gotta be a there's a weakness to the character of Tim. Yeah. that I don't think uh, Oliver Jackson would, would necessarily work for. I mean, I think he's a good enough actor that he could probably portray it, but there's he's tall and dark and handsome. Like, he's he's too intimidating, I think. Yeah. Tim has to be kind of uh, kind of wimpy. He's talked, oh, about, he's talked about that, actually, mm. in yeah. interviews about being like a 6'3 man who's, like, very emotional and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. You can be mad about this later, but anyway... Mm-hmm. so uh yeah i i thought about that a, a lot too and i think that he i think mike does that quite a bit like he remembers actually remembers the people who auditioned for him because yeah. that's how kate kate came to be in this uh mm-hmm. she auditioned for something that never got off the ground and he remembered her yeah yeah and it was one of the best audition experiences she had ever had and then uh, the woman who was going to play Marisol broke her leg. Right. 
anchor leg, and then uh, he called Kayden. And then they fell in love, and now mm -hmm. we have this beautiful, beautiful collaboration from them, and it's, it's my favorite modern love story because, uh, honestly, they have such a beautiful creative bond that we don't we don't see between a lot of you know there's a lot yeah. of there's always the, the director a list of and the her. director's wife kind of right. thing always that but this is this is different she is phenomenal he is phenomenal and they're both just creative powerhouses in their right right and then they just kind of met and came together and it was it's magic so brendan thwaites um, <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. Sorry, Daryl Hannah, Brenton Thwaites. Right, right, right. Um, uh, do we, how do you guys feel about his performance in this movie? It's great. Yeah, he is yeah. really good. It's so solid. It's it, and I. I do think he probably was the best guy for the role. Yeah. Um. Right. It's not to say that anybody else auditioned poorly. Um. But. I think they look like more like siblings think, than her and all of yeah, them. Yeah, I think he and Karen play off of one another very well too. Mm -hmm. I think they have really great that contentious sibling energy there. True. Well, I wonder if he. I wonder if he cast the child actor first because um, there's something that the two those two actors do a really good job of mirroring each other. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh. The the young kid. Uh. uh I gotta find his name. Garrett Ryan. Right. Um, uh, the two of them play things very well where um, there's a helplessness to those characters in, in both uh, the past and the present that um, I think both actors are doing very good jobs of, of portraying um, just like um, uh, Karen Gillan and um, uh, Annalise Basso who Annalise Basso would work with him again yes. with Mike Flanagan again mm -hmm. in uh, Oculus 2 not Oculus 2, uh, Ouija 2. Um, and um, very fine young actor. Uh, surprisingly, she was not in Haunting of Hill House. I kind of was surprised at that when I watched Haunting of Hill House. I was like, I wonder, why didn't you get the girl from Oculus? But I think, is she going to be in Fall of the House of Usher? Was it? No, maybe she might be. I think so. There's, there's several from the past that are coming back because I know Lulu Wilson is. For sure. And I, I, I loved Lulu from the second I saw her in Annabelle creation because she was just so dang spunky. Mm. Um, oh, it's available at the college if you want to check it out from the library. Oh my God. It's available at the college. Yeah. What's available at the college? Oh, follow the house of Usher. Cause I'm just oh, looking yeah. it up and I was like aggravating me because I, my day job is not this it's actually you know i i teach college <laughs> right uh, but yeah that uh, maybe i don't see there's her. a lot of people that i think are in the fall of the house of usher that mm -hmm. have been in his past projects that are not turn out not to be and it's really funny or they're gonna pop i've up been doing i've been it. doing this for the past like two months i've been like oh we so did this for midnight mass too yeah oh who, like who's in it and like right. what yeah. who's gonna be a secret casting and stuff because you know they surprised us with why manor with carla so mm -hmm. 
I'm going to tell you, uh, back on the Oliver thing, if he is not in the fall of the House of Usher, I'm going to cry because he was in that damn The Raven movie, and it's awful, and he needs his redemption <laughs> arc, oh, and it's right. so, I need it. So. Oh, the, the Raven with John Cusack? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Give him his Edgar Allan Poe redemption arc, I'm begging you. Yeah. <laughs> Someone. He was the best part of it. He was Luke Evans. I love Luke Evans in that. Brendan Gleeson was there too. Oh yeah, he was, wasn't he? Solid cast. I'm not big on the Cusacks, but you know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Okay. Poor Brenton Flates is gonna hate us. <laughs> He's gonna send us hate mail, you and me. Because we keep interrupting the Brenton Flates stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have any last thoughts on Oculus before we wrap up? Does anybody have anything oh that they we that they want to talk about that we uh, we haven't covered? <laughs> it is a fantastic sophomore effort, and mm-hmm. he beat the sophomore slump yes beautifully. And Mike is still going strong. And I mean, I've been speaking this out into the universe for like the past. It feels like forty years, but not. Um, I would love to work with him in some capacity someday and just I hope someday that comes to pass actually Mm -hmm. Um, I I just I adore his work it spoke to me creatively for for years and I'm so grateful and I think that's why I find it hard not to talk about his other stuff when I'm talking about you know one specific thing because it all feels so thematically tied yes I agree I agree yeah Oh, I just really relate to the existentialism and everything. So mostly because I just go through daily crises. But right. <laughs> oh, just to throw that out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I think that's will wrap us up. Then, if mm-hmm. there's nothing else, uh, so once again, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, thank you again to our guests <laughs> for coming. It was always yeah, lovely always. to have you. Yeah. Oh, is that a bark? Oh my gosh, she's trying to bark. One of the dogs is trying to say goodbye too. Oh, say bye, uh-huh. puppy. goodbye, puppy. You treated you treated your dog a lot better during this podcast than you know, anybody in the movie did. I did, and, but <laughs> she, I hope so. She is yeah, right. way too small to even make a snack for the oh. podcast. So I mean, well, like a fun size candy bar, I, you know? Yeah. Say, I'm not. I'm not big. <laughs> Well, with that, I would thank you for listening. Uh, As always, we like to say, keep it positive, keep it destructive. Uh, Be kind, rewind, but mostly be kind. Thank you.